This is Olympic champion Scott Hamilton. Yes, the real Scott Hamilton. And you're listening to the other Scott Hamilton show where you should be entertained, informed, and maybe even amused. Just don't expect any backflips. I mean, have you seen him skate? Covers college football for CBS Sports. David Cobb, welcome aboard. How are you? Hey, Scott. I'm doing all right. How are you? I am well, sir. It's uh, already Wednesday, so I'm tickled to death. I know. It's getting in that rhythm of the season. It's nice. The days do go by faster uh, when you're trying to produce content and fill shows, I'm sure. So, uh, man, you know what? Saturday's just three days away. Well, it's the uh, it's the college football gods not only gifting us a wonderful opening week of college football, or rather week one of college football, but we also get that Labor Day holiday, and it kind of just goes ahead and kickstarts the next week. So I'm, I'm totally good with it. But I, I want to ask you this, though, David. I'm looking at the uh, – AP Top 25 poll for this week, Alabama 1, Georgia 2, Ohio State 3, Michigan 4. I've already looked up the knuckleheads that put Michigan that high, including the guy who had them at number 3. Give me your take when you see the Michigan Wolverines at number 4. Well, it's like, who else are you going to put there? That's my that's my problem. You know, Texas A&M was relatively unimpressive against an overmatched opponent. Uh, Clemson's final score was was certainly impressive, but I don't know that they overwhelmed anybody with their offensive performance through two and a half quarters against the Georgia Tech team that most people expect to be pretty poor. So I, I would struggle with who to put there at, at four, and I guess you give Michigan the benefit of the doubt, a college football playoff team from a year ago that goes out and handles business against a Colorado State team that is at least expected to be competitive in the Mountain West. So do I see Michigan sticking there over the long term? I don't know. Their schedule is relatively easy, uh, certainly by the standards of a Big Ten team. So I think they've got a shot, actually, uh, to stick there, especially if uh, Clemson and and Texas A&M don't start to look a a little bit cleaner here in the next few weeks. I I look at Michigan's schedule, and, and that's one of those schedules that could really help the Wolverines coast up until they play Ohio State. What 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 is your take on the way Harbaugh is handling the quarterback situation with uh, McNamara and McCarthy? Well, I give Jim Harbaugh the benefit of the doubt when it comes to quarterbacks. I mean, that's his position, right? I mean, that's sort of what he's known for. Uh, it hasn't always been uh, great at Michigan in terms of the quarterback play. Uh, he's quirky. He's strange. He marches to the beat of his own drum. And given the fact that they've finally had some success there, uh, I kind of defer to him on this. And it's Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. For one thing, he he has a minor victory already by the fact that he got both players into the season still on the roster and didn't lose one of them to the transfer portal. I mean, that's half the battle now when you're managing a quarterback battle at the Power 5 level. So I give him an A-plus job on that. And now it's just a matter of figuring out who's actually going to be good enough for them to you know, lead them to a, a national title, which, let's be real, at Michigan, that is the expectation. You know, you made the playoff, okay, great. Now can we take that next step? And the lead into this season kind of gives him the leash to be weird with the, with the quarterback situation. I mean, they got, I think, Hawaii this week. They go to UConn or play UConn after that. So they've got a slow ramp up before they play anyone of consequence. And that gives him – Uh, some time to kind of play this out in his own weird and wonky way. Uh, And and so it looks like it'll be McCarthy who gets to start this week. And then we'll see where they go with it from there. But uh, you know what? Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan football program is his oyster. 
he's weird. He gives us content. I, I'm fine with him doing it whatever way he wants. Now, if they were playing a high-caliber opponent in week one or two and he was doing this awkward tap dance at the position, then it's another story. But with a cupcake schedule out of the gate, just let him do his thing, you know? I have a, I guess, conspiracy theory that would make Jim Harbaugh proud, David. Would you like to hear it? <laughs> yeah, let's go. I am of the belief that J.J. McCarthy is the better quarterback, is the long-term solution for the Michigan Wolverines, but Jim Harbaugh seems to be indebted to Cade McNamara given everything that he helped him accomplish last year, beating Ohio State, winning the Big Ten, getting the team in the college football playoff, that he is doing everything he can to continue to give him opportunities to continue to be the starting quarterback at Michigan, to extend or prolong the actual transition from McNamara to McCarthy. That's my take. I think that's a well-reasoned argument. What I would say in response to that after, you know, of course, I just said, let let Harbaugh do what he wants. My warning with that approach (laughs) that you described, though, would be this. Look at what happened at Florida last year when Dan Mullen stayed loyal to Emory Jones for far too long. Now it's quite apparent that there was a star quarterback there all along in Anthony Richardson, who Mullen played a little bit last year, but not nearly enough. He stuck with Emory Jones because Emory Jones had stuck with him. When Florida named Kyle Trask the starting quarterback over Emory, uh, Emory stayed. And, and Dan Mullen tried to reward that loyalty last season, and it backfired on him. And so that would be my caution to Harbaugh if he really believes that J.J. McCarthy is the better player and gives him a better chance to win, don't delay. Uh, your season can go off the rails if you don't go with your gut and what you know uh, to be true. And if, if that's the case up there and he really does believe McCarthy is the better player, he's got to go with him because in, in this era, man, you'll, you know, one, one mis- misstep, especially at a position, position of that significance, could, could be catastrophic. The parallels are striking to what's going on at Clemson, except the incumbent doesn't have the hardware, doesn't have the resume of a Cade McNamara. Very very similar. It is, yeah. One of the, honestly, one of the more intriguing storylines out of all of college football in week one. And I think that's part, partially due to the fact that Clemson had the national spotlight to itself on Monday night. And so we already knew that was going to be a, a position battle uh, to watch over the course of the season. Then you throw in a relatively underwhelming first half and, and the uh, the fact that they're the only game on, and it seems like that Clemson quarterback competition is getting more uh, tread nationally than, than you might even expect for a program of that caliber. So we heard all offseason, of course, about you know, DJU's transformed figure, and, and that was clear that, that he's slimmed down. But at the end of the day, I mean, I just don't think he's a tremendous athlete. You know, he's, he's got, a, got a big arm for sure, but, you know, we, we oftentimes want to – pigeonhole quarterbacks into, into certain roles and whatnot. And I don't think that DJU is ever going to be that, that super nimble, evasive, uh, or, or shifty player who, who brings a lot in the, uh, the second phase of the game there running the football. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Dabo handles this, especially given the, the coordinator changes. You know, this is going to be kind of the story for Clemson over these next few weeks is, is how that tr- uh, quarterback situation transpires. We're joined by David Cobb, CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at David W. Cobb. David, just a couple more minutes, please. Southern Cal coming off a 66-14 to win over Rice at the Coliseum. Uh, about what's expected, they're going to overpower a team like Rice, and the offense looked as we expected with Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison doing their things, and indeed that's gotten USC into the top 10 at number 10 
first time since the regular season poll, the final regular season poll of 2017 when USC was eighth. What is the ceiling for this Southern Cal team this year? Realistic ceiling, David, under Lincoln Riley. And what is the realistic ceiling for a Caleb Williams running that offense? Yeah, I think the ceiling for, for USC would be to win the Pac-12 championship. And I don't think that they're a college football playoff caliber team. I think defensively there's a, a lack of talent there in such a way that they are going to lose at least one, likely two or more games over the course of this regular season. But they could still end up in that Pac-12 championship game. Oregon looked like garbage in week one. Uh, Washington is also under a first-year coach, though they did look uh, pretty competent in their week one opener against Kent State. Utah, of course, loses week one against Florida, but Utah, in my mind, is still the favorite to win the Pac-12 or should be. USC, though, maybe a little bit of a of a dark horse there. I think they emerged from week one looking a lot better than Oregon, so maybe they slide into that number two pole position in terms of you know their favorites to win the Pac-12. So that would be what I would see as the ceiling there. And for Caleb Williams, I mean, the, the sky is the limit. He's got so much receiver talent around him on that team. The offense was productive in week one, as you would expect. His, he's familiar with, with Lincoln Riley's system. Uh, and he's got a just an absolute uh, treasure trove of skill players around him. So my big question with USC is is the defense, but uh, certainly expect for Caleb Williams to have the type of season that at least puts him on the periphery, perhaps, of that Heisman Trophy conversation. And David, is there a team lurking outside the top twenty-five that you think is positioned to, if not make a just a huge leap into the top 25 this week that you can see being among the elite in the country, and I'm not saying top four, but perhaps top 10, top 12 by the end of the regular season? Yeah, Penn State certainly checks that box in my mind. You know, they were second in that others receiving votes category this year, so 27th, I guess, if you want to say, in the poll. After a really dramatic Thursday night opening win at Purdue, I thought a road win over a Purdue team that was nine and four last year Pretty would be Purdue enough team. to get would be enough to get Penn State, you know, into the uh, the top twenty five. It was not. Uh, Penn State uh, will have plenty of chances to prove it's a top twenty five team, though. It's a tough schedule. They get Auburn as well, so it's a uh, it's not going to be a, a an easy road back to that ten or eleven win trajectory that James Franklin had them on just a couple of seasons ago. Uh, but to me, they are clearly a, a top 25 team, and I, I suspect that they will be in that poll uh, fairly soon. Well, in, in just a few more, or one more minute, please, is there a team maybe we're, we're buying a little too much stock of right now? Maybe there's a team that will be nowhere near the top 25 into the season. <laughs> well, I don't think the, the, the team I'm about to mention, I think they'll be in the top 25, but I was kind of reassured or, or, or relieved on behalf of NC State that they dropped five places because NC State – is supposed to have a really good season, and I think they will. But I don't know that it's this 10 or 11 win team that some people seem to think that it is. You know, when I see this NC State team, I see a team kind of like Iowa State uh, a year ago, a team that has a lot back that everybody wants to kind of break through and be that team that challenges uh, the big boys for a college football playoff bid. But I just don't know if the high-end talent is there for them to really hit that type of ceiling. So I was I was kind of relieved for NC State's sake to see them drop a few spots in the poll after a really close win over East Carolina because 
think NC State's good, but I think we're we're going a little overboard there by just kind of assuming that they're a top 15 team. So NC State has kind of slid back to that prove-it category now. Uh, we're no longer anointing them as this dark horse CFP team uh, as a top 15 type of squad. So I think NC State's still a top 25 team. I just I don't really believe that they are a uh, – a real national contender, if you will. Well, two things really quickly, David. First of all, I am bullish on NC State, but I also adhere to something called the law of the wolf. When you expect the most, you get the least. When you expect the least, you get the most. And that always applies to NC State. But my pick, and call it a trendy pick, call it an off-the-wall pick, however you want to frame it, I still believe in Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh has a path for something really special. It has everything you need. It has a coach that gets lots of attention that people gravitate towards. has a quarterback who I think is pretty good. We haven't seen the best of Keaton Slovis yet. has a division that is very winnable. I still need to see that Clemson has cleaned up its problems from last year. Otherwise, I'll say the conference is still very winnable. And it also has two non-conference Power 5 opponents who aren't great but are still quality, quality opponents to have on your schedule. That's the formula to get you into the CFP. What's your take? Yeah, Pittsburgh is a good dark horse pick there and a huge game this week, huge game, hosting Tennessee, a team they beat last season. And that was a part of Pittsburgh having that special season. Of course, they did end up losing to Western Michigan. Uh, But they go to Western Michigan next week. So if they were to beat Tennessee this week, go and get revenge on Western Michigan, all of a sudden they enter ACC play right up there with Clemson in terms of favorites to win the conference, especially if Clemson doesn't kind of get things humming uh, over the next couple of weeks. So that Pitt team, yeah, they they lose uh, offensive coordinator Mark Whipple. They lose quarterback Kenny Pickett. Obviously, Jordan Addison transfers to USC, but their defense is still loaded, and they've got talent on the offensive side. My only real concern with Pittsburgh is the fact that Narduzzi is so married now to running football. He was uh, happy, it seemed, <laughs> to, to have a coordinator change because he thought Whipple threw the ball too much, uh, which is kind of crazy uh, saying that after you win an ACC title. Uh, so if you watched their opener against West Virginia, you did notice they ran the football a good bit more than they did a year ago. So uh, I am curious to see how that works out for them in the long run. They were really good last year when they threw it a lot. Uh, if they kind of changed things up in that way over the course of the season, uh, I'll be interested to see if it, if it truly works out for them. He's David Cobb, CBS Sports. Follow him on Twitter at David W. Cobb. David, you brought it hot today, brother. Excellent job. <laughs> hey, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Appreciate you, brother. It's David Cobb, CBS Sports, joining us on this Saitama Hotline. I still like Pitt. I still like Pitt. Here's the thing. We can sit here and say, oh, well, NC State isn't who we thought they were, blah, blah, blah. They got the win. The Wolfpack got the win. It, it's, it's not a lot – different than North Carolina. Now, granted, I think North Carolina problems run a lot deeper, but they both got wins. Even South Carolina, which wasn't what we've been waiting on, and I don't know if what we were waiting on was realistic or not since we had such a busy offseason, it got the win. 3 of 14 on third down got the win. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Here, Here's where the rubber hits the road, though. Can you correct these issues, and we've addressed it earlier in the program, between week one and week two? How much progress can you make as a team during that six days or so from one win to the next game? That's that's when it matters. Really good stuff, David Cobb. Got to keep him on speed dial. The Scott Hamilton Show on Wednesday. Listen to the stars.